strikes me as really weird that with everything that's going on with fandom at the minute, I'm talking about Sheena. I know bugger all about Sheena, the queen of the jungle. I mean it, absolutely nothing. I mean, I knew she starred in a, a 1984 movie which starred Tanya Roberts, and I know that for two reasons. One, there was a Marvel Comics adaptation of it, so I remember seeing um, that Marvel Super Special and adverts for that in the comics that I was reading at the time. And B, she has two nude scenes in the film. Ask me about that film, and that's all I can remember about it. Even though I did, you know... I think I did see it back when it first came out. Now, sure, 1984 was a a pretty good year for genre movies, and I was all of 12 years of age, so Miss Roberts' burring all was probably pretty memorable for me. But for it to be the most memorable thing about the film must surely say something about about the movie. I mean, even Life Force, a film in which the, the stunning Matilda May wanders around in the buff for the entire running time... It uh, Life Force does have at least one other memorable scene in it, that of, of Captain Jean-Luc Picard himself going absolutely back crap crazy. But, um, you know, I was, I was doing what I do for this show, looking for interesting topics, interesting things to, to talk about that aren't necessarily being talked about on other pop culture podcasts or are completely divorced from the main topics of the day. <laughs> if you want to come and have a, a safe space away from Star Wars fans bitching about Solo and The Last Jedi, come here and we'll talk about um, old syndicated television shows. Uh, yeah, I was flicking through the the cable channels, happened upon the Horror Channel, which seems to be my uh, go-to at the minute for old stuff that may be of interest. And it was that day, starting a rerun of something called Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Now, I'd never heard of this series. Apparently, like I said, it was made for syndication, heard for two seasons through uh, 2000-2002, and it was developed for TV by the creator of Baywatch, Douglas Schwartz, and former Stephen J. Cannell staff writer Stephen L. Sears. Sheena, through some Google foo, uh, I have learned was created by Jerry Iger and Will Eisner, which, which interested me, first appeared in WAGS, a British monthly comic magazine in 1937. WAGS um, is nothing to do with the popular acronym for um, wives and girlfriends of of spoilt and overpaired footballers. Um, she actually made her stateside debut in Jumbo Comics issue 1 in September of 1938. According to the always accurate Wikipedia, Sheena is the young blonde daughter of Cardwell Rivington, which is as British a name as, as you're probably going to get, who is exploring in Africa with his daughter in tow. When Cardwell dies from accidentally drinking a magic potion made by Koba, a native witch doctor, Sheena is orphaned. Koba raises the young girl as his daughter, teaching her the ways of the jungle and various Central African languages. The adult Sheena becomes the queen of the jungle and acquires a monkey sidekick named Jim. Originally costumed in a simple red dress by issue 10 of Jumbo Comics, Sheena acquired her iconic leopard skin outfit. 
In time, Sheena meets a white hunter named Bob Reynolds, alternatively called Bob Riley or Bob Rayburn, who becomes her mate and is in constant need of rescuing. In later incarnations, Sheena's mate is Rick Thorne. Gotta be honest, nothing about that synopsis says original to me. It very much sounds like um, a female version of Tarzan in, in much the same way that Supergirl was a female version of Superman, Batgirl... Batman, etc., etc., etc. Sheena had been on television before, again, according to the luscious Wikipedia. Irish McKellar played her in a 1955 TV series. It didn't last particularly long. This version that I saw on the Horror Channel starred former Baywatch actress Gina Lee Nolan as Sheena, which, you know, will probably lead to a pleasant viewing experience, if nothing else. Information about this series is very thin on the ground. The Wikipedia entry is perfunctory, and even Tomorrow's excellent book, The Age of TV Heroes, only has a like a single paragraph about the show. I have no idea were this series aired here in the UK, or even if it did, although it does seem like the kind of thing ITV would have shown in the afternoons when, you know, when Baywatch wasn't on. Erring in 2000 in the US, it was hot on the heels of that era's female superhero bubble, which included Alias, Buffy, Xena, and so forth. And it was probably seen as a a strong female lead type show, but with a Baywatch lifeguard in it for the men. The first episode was simply entitled Sheena. It opens with a a sweaty, portly fella being hunted through the jungle by, uh, by a tribe. In his backpack, a gorilla's arm and a tusk, which imply he's a, a poacher of, of some type, which instantly puts me on the side of the tribe. Sorry, he is beaten, presumably to death, by a man in a monkey suit, as pale blue eyes watch dispassionately. He has a beacon that beeps. Let's get a couple of things out on Front Street. Um, I have no problem with hunting. I do have a problem with hunting for trophies, trophy hunting. So if that's what this guy was doing, the gorilla turning him to bits just doesn't sadden me in any way whatsoever. I'm sorry if you don't agree with that position, but that's my position. With our position on that firmed up, the credits roll. Lots of shots of beautiful waterfalls and majestic animals as pseudo-African music plays. Gina Lee Nolan has a shower. A rather buffoonish man in a hat leaps on elephants and looks square-jawed and handsome. He is John Allen Nelson playing Cutter. Other actors credited include Margot Mora and Kevin Quigley playing Carly and Mendelssohn respectively. The credits close with action shots of Cutter and Sheena hitting things and seaplanes exploding for your delicatation and delight. Here is the theme song.
This first episode was written by Stephen L. Sears and Douglas Schwartz and directed by John Cassar, who has a truckload of directing credits, including 24, La Femme Nikita, The Orville, Continuum, etc. Chances are, if you're a genre television fan, you've seen a TV show directed by this dude. I don't know if it was his choice to shoot this in 16 by 9 but that's a nice surprise for a show of this vintage. Uh, the plot is as follows. Cutter is hired by a shady French guy named Norlis working for a company called Acme's. He'll pay Cutter 15 grand to find a scientist missing in the Lamista area. Acme's is a big mineral and environmental protection company, but given that the sweaty, portly guy in the pre-credit sequence looked nothing like a scientist, we'll assume that there are some falsehoods occurring here. Cutter flies Norlis and his crew out, but throws a fit when one of them takes pot shots at some grazing zebras. So Cutter is one of those noble mercenaries. Good to know. As the seaplane comes in for a landing, a badly composited shot shows Sheena standing against a blue screen, sorry, <coughs> watching the plane. She throws a spear through the wing, causing the plane to perform an emergency landing. After the landing, which, you know, is one that they can walk away from, so we'll consider it a success, Cutter spots some dynamite and confronts Norlis, who rather stupidly shoots at his only pilot and the only one who can get them out of here. Cutter flees but takes a shot to the leg. He then runs into quicksand. I have not seen quicksand being used as a plot device since 1978. I think the last person to run into quicksand and have problems was probably Daisy Duke. Cutter hasn't read any Batman comics, so he doesn't realise that you can swim in quicksand if you take it slowly. And he's left for dead by the mercenary types, but is rescued by a man in a gorilla suit. As he comes to, the gorilla changes form into that of a beautiful blonde. Tis a Sheena, who then knocks him out with a log. She drags him to her tribe where Carly tells Sheena who he is and we learn that Carly and Sheena can transform into animals as the rest of the tribe used to be able to. She tells of how a young girl from outside came in and learned their ways. Anyway, that's the story that Carly tells Cutter and it's, you know, it's a good one for tourists. She doesn't necessarily play it off as real, but we know that it's real, don't we? Mm. Anyway, the bad guys are looking to get to some mountain that's rich in diamonds. Through maps and sorcery and other such stuff, they learn that they can get there through a network of tunnels that conveniently run through the area. They need to dynamite some of them to get through, which is why they were carrying dynamite on the plane. But this attracts Sheena, who kicks all of the ass. She's camouflaged in mud as if she's about to tackle a predator, but Cutter recognises the expressive blue eyes. He can't stop her blowing up some dynamite, though, which inadvertently destroys the seaplane. So now, nobody has any way of getting off the island. Interlude. Sheena strips off to have a shower to remove the mud, and we get a shot of Gina Lee Nolan's arse and side boob, because apparently syndication didn't have the same standards and practices as regular telly. Anyway, back to the plot. The bad guys are now desperate, but it's night time, so Sheena and Cutter do some bonding. To be fair, this is quite a nice scene. Sheena isn't naive or stupid. She's actually quite well characterised, and Lee Nolan is much better than she has any right to be. The role doesn't really require her to do anything than look good in a leather bikini, or in the buff, both of which she does manage very well, but she manages to bring a charm to it that the more wooden Tanya Roberts didn't manage. 
I have no idea where she manages to get all her makeup and her product, though, given that she seems to be in the middle of the jungle. Nelson's quite good as well, in a rather stereotypical role of roguish mercenary with a heart of gold. Cutter fills Sheena in on the details. Gnarl is bad, Cutter good. Sheena tells Cutter that she can turn into animals, but not for long, or she maintains some of their traits. They both trek off together to get the bad guys. However, Cutter's avarice gets the better of him, and he falls for the oldest trick in the book, getting strung upside down in a tree whilst trying to reach for some gold. Sheena and the bad guys finally meet. We know that they're bad guys because they patronise Sheena, so she kicks all their asses again. I'd have bought all of this a bit more if she'd snapped a few necks and been a little bit more proactive. Sheena was brought up in the jungle, so she probably has no qualms about killing these losers. Bad guy gunfire attracts some crocodiles, and Sheena and Cutter make a break for it, whilst the crocodiles chow down on a few of the gun-toting baddies. Only the computer geek, because there's always a computer geek nowadays, and Norlis are left alive, so they head towards the mountain with the diamonds. Sheena manimals into a leopard and follows them, thanks to her enhanced tracking abilities. The morphing scene is, as you would probably expect, a rather cheesy special effect, but the implication that it isn't easy, with the sound of bone stretching and Cutter's reaction, actually sells that this is a somewhat painful transition that shouldn't be undertaken lightly. And I quite like this a lot. Manimal never seemed to struggle. Even Bruce Banner makes the transformation seem straightforward. This really sold the idea with a good amount of verisimilitude. I have no idea if this carried on into the series as we went ahead, but for this pilot... It works. The final fight takes place in some caves. It goes as you would expect. Computer Geek falls to his doom and Norlis gets the crap kicked out of him before being mauled to death by a gorilla. The final scene, as with all of these kinds of pilot movies, sets up the show with Cutter and Sheena parting ways, but with the unspoken vow that they will never see each other again. You know, I expected very little from this and was rewarded with very little. It's a fun, lightweight show that had a little bit more going on in it than I expected it would. The Florida locations work well in selling that this is Africa, and it was perfectly entertaining for what it was, which was a late 90s syndicated TV show. It's very much trying to be a female empowerment series, like, as I've already mentioned, Alias, Buffy and Xena, and to a lesser extent Tomb Raider, and I suppose it does feature a competent woman, as intelligent as she is beautiful. Both episodes I watched featured scenes where she mentions that she reads a lot, and in both episodes she rescues the men and needs very little rescuing herself. In both shows, she knows her own mind and does what she wants. The problem is that it's shot as if it's a Playboy TV show. There's, you know, there's still a few issues there, but at least it's trying. And Gina Lee Nolan is pretty. Anyway, as Sheena erred daily, the next time I caught an episode, we were well into season two. Rendezvous was written by Tony Blake and Paul Jackson and directed by Chuck Bowman. Unusually, the opening credits hadn't changed. There was no difference whatsoever in the opening credits. I gotta say, I was mostly bored by this one. Sheena stops some drug runners and has sex with a charismatic and incredibly wooden Interpol agent. I hope she didn't get any splinters in uncomfortable places. The action scenes are fine, but the softcore sex scene, complete with don't forget to wear a condom, kids, moment was largely unnecessary. Gina Lee Nolan ends up actually being probably one of the best things about the show. She's actually quite capable in this role, which, you know, does capitalise on her talents. Sure, she was clearly cast for her ability to fill out a leather costume and not being too bothered when that costume fell off, but she gave her all to the part and acquitted herself admirably. 
Sheena was fun in a Saturday afternoon adventure show kind of way. There was lots of action, there was hunky men, scantily clad women, and it whiles away the time on that level. I doubt I'd go out of my way to see any more of these, but if I stumbled across one whilst being unable to sleep, I probably wouldn't turn it off. The Baywatch connection pretty much means that this is going to happen. of emails to get through this time jack bone emailed in about lost in space enjoyed your program about the various lost in spaces i don't know how to pluralize that title no i had that problem as well jack i noticed you miss one 
I don't know if you get sent our cheap 70s cartoons, and if you did, I'd like to apologise on behalf of the rest of the USA, but around the time Star Trek and other shows were making the leap from weekday afternoon reruns to Saturday morning cartoons, Lost in Space was dusted off and given a try. An hour time slot named ABC Saturday Superstar Movie was used to try out ideas like that. All I remember is that it really wasn't Lost in Space. All it had was the robot, and it wasn't really the robot. It's on YouTube now that you know to look for it, and I can't recommend it highly enough. You know, if we drop the highly enough part. No, I've just watched it, and it's fairly decent for what it is. It is. It does strike me as quite odd I didn't think to look for that, Jack, because, um, yeah, you know, if Fonzie and the Happy Days gang can get a cartoon, and the Dukes of Hazard can get a cartoon, Lost in Space seems to be um, a shoo-in. doesn't really sound like Lost in Space, though, so, you know, I think I may give that one a miss. Chris Franklin emailed in with hopelessly lost in the palace. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Christopher. I greatly enjoyed your Lost in Space capsule history and review, although I did skip over your discussion of the Netflix series, as I plan to watch that with the family this summer once school is out and schedules begin to ease up a bit. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I hope you enjoy it. I didn't really talk about the, the Netflix show a lot. Didn't spoil it, I don't think can't remember now but anyway i hope you enjoy it because uh, i enjoyed it immensely and since that episode it has been picked up for a second season so hopefully we'll see that within the year chris continues as a huge fan of guy williams's zorro i will admit i wanted to see him assert himself more on the original lost in space but i know smith will and the robot kind of took over the show I actually saw an interview with Jonathan Harris discussing how he regretted the circumstances himself and how it made it impossible for him and Williams to truly be friends. It created a riff neither one knew how to repair. Harris seemed deeply saddened by this. Anywho, great show as always and I look forward to more Palace and watching the new Lost in Space, Chris. Well, thank you for emailing in, Chris and Jack. It was very much appreciated. No one else seemed to like Lost in Space because no one else emailed it. Uh, this just a short one this week to keep you ticked over because I have been working very hard on the next episode, which will be a look at the first nine, three, six, nine, no, 12, 12 issues of the Spider-Man relaunch Brand New Day where I have a look if Alder Sturman drank over the getting rid of the marriage was actually worth it in the end. Hmm. Be interesting, that one, he said, halfway through writing it, so he knows how it's going to go. So join me next time for that. And uh, once again, email me on heykidscomics.com if you so desire. Get in touch with me on Facebook and Twitter and whatever other social medium things I happen to be on. I think I'm on Instagram. I don't know anymore. Whatever. Doesn't matter, does it? Uh, as usual, if you want to keep the lights on over here at Two True, Squeak, two true Squeaks. Two True Squeaks. I don't know what Two True Squeaks is. <laughs> over at Two True Freaks Mansions. By mansion, I mean shed in the Florida Everglades. Uh, if you want to keep the lights on there, go through our page, buy through Amazon. We get the kickback. You know the drill by now. And I'll see you next time for more Witterings from the Palace. Take care. It's all going to be okay. <laughs>